Welcome to another edition of Mark Talk. That's right, we're back after a week-long absence, and I apologize for that. Don't have a really good excuse uh, other than uh, things got busy. Some of the uh, particular news items were kind of slow or non-existent. And to be honest with you, it was kind of a rough week for me personally, so... I took a break for the week. I had every intention of even doing a Saturday special, but that obviously did not happen. But no worries, no worries. I I, I do see that uh, there are are some of you out there listening, so it's fine. It is for you. I will continue on. But how are you? How are you doing? You doing all right? Are things going good with you? Are you having a rough week? Are you having? Did you have a rough week? What has been going on? We can be we you know we we, we can pl- talk plainly here. It's not just Mark talks about all things uh, in the nerdosphere, although that is exactly what it is. We can talk about whatever, whatever's on my mind, whatever I'm feeling. Last week was kind of different, though. Last week, I just needed a breather. And so I took one. But now we're back. And what a week. What a week. What uh, what a last couple of days we've had uh, in uh, in the realm, pun intended, of Game of Thrones, the realm of the Marvel Cinematic Universe... That's right, I have seen the upcoming Captain Marvel, and we will be talking about it on this episode. Spoiler-free, of course. I am not going to divulge spoilers. Uh, The movie has not fully come out yet. And even if it did, it's still too early. But I do want to give you my initial thoughts on the movie as a whole. So we'll talk about that, and we're going to dive into the trailer of Game of Thrones that they finally released and all that cool, awesome stuff. Will we get into a fanfic Friday? Don't know. Could be. Maybe. We shall see. But there's a lot to talk about today and rightfully so. I was gone a week, and now it's time to get back on that horse and ride. And what uh, what what better two things to talk about on this new edition of Mark Talk? Stay tuned. jumping right into it let's just go ahead and talk about it let's talk about the season 8 of Game of Thrones trailer that they finally released you know there is such a thing as uh, overhype something that is is just so so much in the ether so much that on your radar that you are looking forward to it and and sometimes when you look forward to something so much and it's finally given to you it fails to meet expectations it's happened before but i gotta say the wait even for the trailer and it was a long long wait i think it was worth it how could we forget, you know, uh, last season was two years ago. It will be two years this upcoming May. Two years. We were without any Game of Thrones at all for a whole year. And now we're getting it. We're getting the, the last bit of the story. For the time being. But for the main story, this is it. 
I don't even know what to do with myself after this is over. Thank God we're getting uh, prequel shows. Or shows that are uh, going to take place in the same uh, realm, same universe, whatever you want to call it. We're getting more. But as far as the main continuity, the main con uh, continuing thread of the story, this is it. And after so long, they finally gave us just a little sneak peek. And I gotta tell you, there's something to be said. I mean, say what you will about the, the, uh, the contribution from the cast, from the main crew, from the writers and the directors, and, you know, I, I, I would not speak ill of that. I'm not saying what they do is any less special than what the others do, but it's something to be said about editing. And this show, I mean, that's that's got to be just an edit, editor's nightmare. The unsung heroes are the editors, I gotta say. They have to make a whole story out of the mess of just random photography. And it's no different when putting together a trailer. In fact, I would argue it's probably even more difficult to edit an, an incredible trailer. Because then you have the impossible task of showing just enough to get people satisfied and to get people hyped. But not so much as to give things away. Some people are better about this than others. But this trailer is a perfect example of, we're gonna give you a lot and say very little. Because this trailer gives us so much and yet we know nothing. We still know nothing about this story. We know that it's going to be uh, the Battle for the Dawn, as it were. You know, the, the long night approaches again, and this, is, uh, this could be for all the marbles. It's all been leading up to this final bout. But we don't know who's gonna come out of it alive, if anybody. But we know we're getting it from both ends, from the north and from the south, because we got Mad Queen Cersei to deal with, as well as the northern threat of the Army of the Dead. But I'm jumping ahead, so let's, let's get into this trailer, shall we? I wasn't going to do a, uh, a complete breakdown of the trailer, just my initial thoughts and some you know, little standout images, but... I figured why not. The reason why I wasn't going to do it is because sometimes when people break stuff down, they overanalyze just the smallest frame, or every every single frame of the trailer is overanalyzed, and sometimes that just gets really annoying. Because most of the time, people, when they overanalyze, they are looking far too deep into something than they need to. Or they just come up with even more theories, even bigger theories, bigger lies, and that, that, that doesn't help anybody to put that into people's heads. Come on. That being said, I will probably end up doing the same thing with my own interpretation of this trailer, but, you know, I, I figure why not? Couldn't hurt any. So let's get into the opening. The opener. There's enough to be said. I mean, there, there's so much to be said about this because we open with a distraught and very frightened looking Arya Stark. Our little she-wolf, our little faceless assassin. She's back home in Winterfell, as we saw last season. By the way, spoilers for uh, the previous seasons because I will be going over it. But I figured if you're going to listen to me rant about this new trailer, the, the, you're, you're, the spoiler alert is implied. But for those of you that don't know that it's implied, spoiler alert, okay? 
little Arya back in Winterfell where she belongs, she belongs home, she has made peace with the fact that she is not no one, she is Arya Stark. But the problem is, she may be Arya Stark to her, but to Sansa and to Jon, who knew her best, I mean, this is a completely different Arya than they're used to, for all they know, they don't know this person. This is not the Arya they once knew, the one they left behind, the one that disappeared, the one that Jon thought was dead. Man, that'll be interesting to see Arya interact with Jon again. Jon got along with his siblings for the most part, Sansa being the exception. But the ones, uh, you know, and you could say Rob and Jon, you know, being uh, close-aged brothers, they were pretty tight. You could say that. That's a fair assessment. But... The two black sheep of the family were always John and Arya, and they shared that bond. And they have not been together since episode two of the entire show. They shared a long farewell hug, and that's the last they've seen of one another. So it'll be really cool to see them back together and to see how that relationship blossoms from there. If it does, there may not be time because it's war, man. But here in the trailer, we get a shot of Arya looking uh, breathless and looking scared and she's running. She is running from something. We don't know where she's running or whom she's running from. But that's interesting though, because we assume that maybe she's running uh, in the crypts or the supposed underground tunnel ways that's underneath Winterfell. We assume that, but I don't know. Upon closer inspection, I gotta say, she could be in King's Landing. She could be running from something in the King's Landing. Remember, her promise, her vow, she has a list of names, and at the top of the list is Cersei. Does she make it to King's Landing? And if she does, that would imply that, well, maybe they dealt with the Army of the Dead in record time. Or maybe they didn't. Maybe she ran. Maybe she is on a mission to do something else. And maybe the mission goes awry, and that's why she's running. Maybe the Faceless Men finally came after her for uh, leaving the House of Black and White and uh, going her own way instead of doing the purpose that she was trained for. Maybe. That's just all speculation, and that's what we do here. In between those cuts of her running, we get a little shot of Sir Davos. He is surveying the scene uh, up in Winterfell. Another shot of Lord Varys, the spider, the, the master of whispers once before, the eunuch. And he is hiding out in the crypts. We know he's in the crypts because we can see the, uh, the tombs. He's hiding out with uh, some of the other people, uh, some, some women and some children. And Varus, Varus, he, he looks worried. He looks scared. He looks very much disheveled. It's a look we haven't seen from him since the moment he spoke to the Red Priestess Kinvara, who revealed that she knows about his castration she knows about the sorcery used and the voices he heard come out within the flames. I mean, she rattled him. We never see Varys rattled like he was rattled in that moment until this moment here in the trailer. And he's in the crypts and he's looking up. Maybe he can hear the battle. Maybe he can hear the army of the dead coming at the resistance in Winterfell. Maybe he is hearing a lot of death. 
and make no mistake about it, the Army of the Dead, that's an act of magic. Very dark magic, mind you. But that's magic. And that scares it. It should scare everybody. And he looks worried. Maybe he can hear the battle uh, above on the grounds of Winterfell and to him, it looks like it is not sounding good. Makes you wonder. Makes you wonder what's going to happen. But Arya, still running. And then we can hear her voiceover and she says that she has seen death. Many faces of death. But she looks forward to seeing what this one looks like. Is she referring to the White Walkers themselves? Because by definition, they really kind of are the faces of death in their own way. They certainly look like death to me. Or is she talking metaphorically? Is she talking about, this is my first big battle and there is a high chance I don't make it out. This is my true death. I wonder what that'll look like. Maybe that's what she's saying, and if that's the case, well, it quite literally will look like a White Walker. Or the Army of the Dead. It's troublesome. It's very, very troublesome. I worry for our, uh, our little assassin. I was kind of hoping she would be one of the few that makes it out of all of this. But I don't know. I'm starting to think she might not. Whether she goes down fighting or whether, whether something else happens, I don't know. But let's not think about that just yet. Next up, we got a shot of Euron Greyjoy ships coming in. And he did, as he was told, as he was promised, he is ferrying in the Golden Company of Volantis. We get to see this, uh, this man standing before this army, all clad in gold armor. We don't get to see the commander, though. We see him from behind. From behind, he kind of looks like Jamie. Back when Jamie had his long, flowing golden locks from season one. Of course, we know that's not Jamie. The big indicator? Well, this guy's got both hands. But the Golden Company is coming. And it'll be really interesting to, to see if the show incorporates the history, or if they drop a little hint about the, the history of the Golden Company. Because for the book readers out there, you know where the Golden Company comes from. For the non-book readers, well, let's just say the Golden Company's origins are very much tied to Targaryens and the Blackfyre Rebellion. You think they might mention the Blackfyre Rebellion? I don't know. That's a very good question. I'm inclined to think they might drop a little hint and if they do, that could certainly be a nice stepping off point if they wanted to, uh, you know, do a miniseries about the Blackfire Rebellion. Or a, uh, an ongoing series, I don't know. They're scheduled to do several prequel shows. We already know about one that's going to take place thousands of years ago during the long night. They could certainly do one that deals with the Blackfire Rebellion, if they wanted to. And what easier way to incorporate the Blackfire Rebellion, or to give people whispers about the Blackfire Rebellion, than with the Golden Company here in Season 8? Because for, throughout the show, we don't really get m any mention at all about the Blackfire Rebellion. And if we do, it's, it's very quick and it goes unnoticed for the most part. So I'd be very curious to see if they go there. We also get a shot that kind of warms my heart in a way because we 
get an answer to a question that we've been left hanging with since the end of the last episode in Season 7. When the White Walkers came, and the Night King brought on the Ice Dragon, the poor dead Viserion, and they tore down the wall. And our friends Sir Beric Dondarrion and Tormund Giantsbane, who were... Uh, keeping guard on Eastwatch. We don't know if they made it out. We saw the wall come down. We saw a lot of innocent uh, brothers of the Night's Watch get, get blown away or fall off the cliffs. And we just don't know what happened to our buddies here. But in this shot in the trailer, there they are, walking through some sort of... Uh, some. I don't know if it's underground, but it's a dark tunnel. It's a dark cavernous place, and we get them both. They are alive and well. And leading them through this cavern is Dolores Ed, the acting Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. It's nice. It's nice to see old Dolores Ed still, uh, still hanging in tough. But here's the thing. Ed... He's the acting Lord Commander, so he should be at Castle Black. So how in the world did Tormund Giantsbane and Sir Beric get all the way over there? Unless, of course, this cavern is, in fact, an underground tunnel that leads from uh, all, the, all the remaining ha uh, castles that were left on the wall. The ones left remaining were Eastwatch, Castle Black, and Shadow Tower. Could there be a tunnel system that connects all of them? I'm inclined to think maybe. It'll be interesting, but I'm just glad to see our buddies. Two men who went uh, beyond the wall with Jon Snow to bring back a white to show the queen what was coming that was Jon Snow's uh, suicide squad if you will and these two dudes made it Sir Beric is still alive after being killed six times and the Lord of Light keeps bringing him back for what purpose we don't know but maybe we're gonna find out we also get a nice little voiceover from uh, the three-eyed raven himself, Brandon Stark, little Bran. And we don't know who he's talking to, but he, he makes mention that that everything this person he's talking to, everything this person has done has brought you to where you are now, home. So he could be referring to John. I saw this theory online that actually maybe he's talking to Jamie Lannister. Because it stands to reason that Jamie, look, I have talked about this before. Jamie is not going to come to Winterfell and be greeted with open arms. They're not going to be excited to see him. Don't forget, Jamie has a very complicated relationship with the North. Because for a while, he was their hostage during the War of the Five Kings. He killed good Stark men trying to escape. Catelyn Stark let him go. He, she told Lady Brienne to take him back to King's Landing on the promise that he would free her daughters. But she did it under the noses of King Rob and all the Northmen. That put a strain on the entire uh, battalion. You might even say it contributed to their loss of the war, inevitably. All because of Jamie. Jamie had a very much a helping hand in causing the Red Wedding, in causing the death of. Rob Stark and Catelyn. Jamie's made a lot of mistakes. And a lot of it related to the northern people. Jon Snow is not going to look at him and greet him as a friend. 
Daenerys Targaryen is not going to greet him as a friend. Because even though Daenerys has made peace with the fact that she knows her father, the Mad King Aerys, was not a good dude, she's not going to be happy to see the guy who put a sword in his back. He's a Lannister. She's already uneasy with, uh, with Lannisters, and one of them happens to be her hand. We all love Tyrion, and we know Tyrion's awesome. But you gotta look at it from everyone else's perspective. He's still a Lannister, and Lannisters just cannot be trusted. Jaime himself has gone on quite a journey. And we all know that he is a better man. Is he a perfect man? No. Far from it. And he never will be perfect. But he's a better man. He's trying to be better. Hence, he went to Winterfell alone to fight for the living, as he promised he would. There's even that line of him saying that in the trailer. We don't know who he's talking to, but it, it, it would appear he's in the Great Hall in Winterfell. So you can, you can guess that perhaps he's talking to Jon. Maybe he's talking to Jon and Daenerys. And speaking of which, we get a shot of the Unsullied army marching into Winterfell by the numbers and on, in the midst of their ranks on horseback. King John and Queen Daenerys, side by side, as equals, as partners in war. Because they know, only together can they survive. It's not about who bends the knee, it's not about who rules the realm now, after, forevermore, it's not about any of that anymore. Not right now it's not. It's about living. And they're charging in. You know what else is charging in? The dragons. Our two remaining dragons flying overhead and there's Sansa Stark checking them out in awe and a teensy bit of horror. She has the face that everyone has when they see those dragons for the first time. A look of amazement because these are, these are mythological beasts. These things have been uh, reported to be dead for hundreds of years. They're all dead. Dead for so long that people just think that the stories of dragons are only stories. Despite evidence to the contrary, you gotta assume that there are a lot of kids out there in Westeros hearing these stories of dragons that really don't believe that it was real. Or you gotta believe that these kids grew up to be cynical when they realized, like, look, all these stories you told me about dragons and about all, the, all this crap, you're saying magic existed? Bah, no way, no way, not a chance. This is the real world. Things like that just don't happen. And then imagine seeing with your very eyes two of these beasts that you keep hearing stories about that you convinced yourself were not real. And there they are, real, ready. How would you look? What would your face be? I imagine it would be like Sansa's because she is just staring in amazement and a slight bit of horror. But you know who's not looking at the dragons with amazement and horror? Arya Stark. She's looking up with the same look except she smiles because Arya loves the stories of the dragons she's fascinated by it and here they are you gotta think Arya has seen some crazy things in her uh, in her short life some crazy things she's done some crazy things you think seeing dragons flying would bother her that bad I think in that moment when she smiles looking up at the dragons, we get just a hint of seeing the old Arya Stark again. The child Arya Stark, the one that 
only wanted to grow up to be a, a, a knight or, you know, just to, to hang out with her brothers and to fight. And she didn't want to be a lady. That's not her. She said it in her own words. No, that's not me. I won't be a lady and have uh, a lord's babies and just be some simple housewife. No, that's not me. I'm going to fight. I'm going to be a fighter. I'll be the first lady knight if I have to. And we know that she isn't, but she always reads the stories of uh, warrior women. Remember, she schooled Lord Tywin when he was trying to tell her about Aegon the Conqueror. And she said, no, no, he didn't do that alone. He had two sister wives who also rode dragons, and they were warriors. She named her direwolf Nymeria after Princess Nymeria Martell. The woman who founded Dorne, who made House Martell the the house of the of Dorne, the sigil of Dorne comes from Nymeria. Warrior women, and Dorne has a history of warrior women, all of whom Arya is a fan of. So seeing dragons in the flesh, in real life, at her home in Winterfell, yeah. You can believe that she is amazed and full of a little bit of joy, maybe childlike wonder, the the childlike wonder that has left her a long time ago, or so we thought. But even in that moment, it looks like it returned. There's an ominous shot of Jon Snow in the crypts. We don't know which crypt he's looking at. But he is looking uh, rather somber as he as ever, brooding. Almost as if he was told some really unfortunate news. Or news that he just does not know how to process. Even when Daenerys joins him in the crypts, he does not look at her approach. As far as we can tell, he doesn't even know that she's there for a whole moment. Wonder what that could mean. Maybe John had that talk with Bran that he was supposed to have. Remember, the last line Bran says in the season finale last season was, he needs to know the truth, we have to tell him. And we're talking, of course, of John's parentage. His, uh, his true parentage. And then we get a shot of some blacksmiths working and who is overseeing the, uh, the work of the smiths. It's Gendry, Robert's bastard boy, the, the, the blacksmith extraordinaire. He's in Winterfell. And I wonder if he's seen Arya yet. That'll be a sweet reunion. I'm not going to lie. I want to see it. So Jorah is rallying the troops, getting them ready, the Unsullied army, and then there's Grey Worm, their commander, and he's kissing Masande. A longing kiss, perhaps the last kiss, because I'll be honest with you, I don't know if Grey Worm's coming out of this one, guys. Old Grey Worm, who knew? He would become such a, such a remarkable, important piece to the puzzle. Important in the sense that he is a he's a skilled fighter. He's got a lot of heart. All things considered, he was raised to be a thoughtless, heartless killing machine. But he's not. He does have heart. He found it in Masande of Narth. But I think he's saying goodbye to her with that kiss. We get a shot of uh, someone fighting, and it looks like there's a bunch of fire, and then there's Jamie Lannister. He's got grime and blood on his face, and he is he, he's fighting. It's not really clear where he's fighting. Could be the north, could be Winterfell, could be uh, a little outside Winterfell. But he's fighting. He's got one hand, and he's, he just he lets out a battle cry. And we don't really get to see what's happening in the next shot, but it's of King's Landing. It's in the throne room. We can see that Cersei is on the throne, and beside her, to her left, is her hand, Kyburn, the old uh, 
<laughs> the ex-maester, the, uh, the Dr. Frankenstein, if you will, and then uh, his creation on Cersei's right, the mountain. And then in front of her, with their backs to the camera, and again, it's a, it's a, it's a long shot, so we don't really get to see who that is, but it's a golden-clad gentleman and then a man in dark cloak. We can assume that's Euron Greyjoy in the dark cloak and the commander of the Golden Army in the golden armor. <laughs> we assume that is, and then, but then, the money shot, you could say, well, the money shot, it's, it's, it's an interesting shot of Cersei alone in her chambers, drinking, well, no, not drinking. She takes a sip of wine. But the look on her face, Lena Headey is such an amazing actress that she is conveying several different emotions without saying a word in the span of two seconds. She looks thoughtful. She looks almost gleefully... I can only describe it as restrained jubilation and also a ton of worry as in I know what decision that I made is going to be uh, there's, there's going to be consequences it's going to mean certain people are going to die and that's good news for me in terms of winning the war but yet it means that maybe I am the monster that everyone sees me as I think Cersei's pretty much made peace with the fact that she's a monster. I don't think she cares. And I'm also going to point out the fact that she's drinking wine. And she's supposedly pregnant. She keeps saying she's pregnant. You can't drink wine if you're pregnant. That's not good. My theory was uh, last season that she was lying. Maybe she still is lying. Maybe she's not. Maybe she just doesn't care. Maybe she has a miscarriage. We won't know. Oh, and then a glorious shot of the two dragons flying overhead over a frozen wasteland. It, it, it really looks like a mountainscape of uh, what we've seen when uh, we've been beyond the wall. So did the dragons go beyond the wall? Did they go back beyond the wall? But why? Like, why would they do it? And I've tried looking very, very closely at this shot. Because you see the dragons from the back. You don't get a, a clear shot of, uh, of Drogon. But you get the sense that there is someone riding him on the back, and it looks like Daenerys. And I've tried looking at Rhaegal, the green dragon, and I can't really see if anyone else is riding him. But then we get another shot here of Jon and Danny walking towards the two dragons as if they are ready to mount and ride. And I honestly feel like we are going to see Jon mount a dragon. Maybe it's Rhaegal. Maybe it's uh, Drogon. Either way, we are going to see Jon ride a dragon. We see Jon standing in front of the heart tree, the, uh, the, the white weirwood tree in, of Winterfell. The uh, tree of old. The, you know, the one with the faces carved in them that the children use. Uh, we know Bran, the Three-Eyed Raven, uses them to see everything because the trees see everything. The trees remember. There's great power in the weirwood. The Hound. Oh, Sandor Clegane, the Hound. We only get the one shot of him, but he's there. And he he looks a bit frightened himself because there's there's uh, there's some fire. You know, he don't, he don't do so well with fire. Looks like he's hiding, but I don't think he's hiding. I think he is just, uh, you know, he's psyching himself up. Because, look, when, you get, when you're overcoming your fear, I, I, that probably takes a lot. That takes a lot of uh, 
a lot of willpower to get you through the day, to get you through the mission at hand. And his mission is to fight the dead. He's done that before. But what works better when fighting the dead, a sword or fire? The answer is fire. He's not a fan of that, but he's just going to have to deal. We see Arya doing uh, some sort of... uh, some little drills. Uh, I don't know if she's uh, swinging a staff, a stick, or uh, like a. Did she find a bigger sword? Is it a needle? Uh, looks like a, it looks like a staff. And she's just swinging it and swinging it. She looks like Donatello from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and she is just. I don't know who she's taking out. If she's taking out anybody, perhaps it's uh, some reanimated corpses. But she's fighting. She's holding strong, and Tyrion, we get a shot of Tyrion looking up uh, either at a dragon or at something, and he looks worried. And a few shots of, a few character shots of all of our main players. Every, every one of our main players, it's interesting to note who we see, but more interesting, I think, is who we don't see in this trailer. We don't see Sir Bronn. Sir Braun of the Blackwater. We don't see him. We don't know what happened to Braun after uh, the, the meeting in King's Landing in the Dragon Pits. He went off for a drink. And that's it. We don't know if he stayed behind in King's Landing uh, or if he went off his own way. He definitely didn't go with Jamie. Jamie went alone. Now, we can assume that maybe Bronn's still under the employ of Cersei, but I'll be honest with you, and maybe this is a little too behind the scenes, Jerome Flynn, who plays Bronn, and Lena Headey, who plays Cersei, they they don't, uh, they, they used to have a relationship and a very bad falling out has made it impossible for them to be on screen together. They actually have that stipulation in their contract. They cannot be on screen together. They won't do it. That's how bad this this thing ended between them. That is why you never saw Bronn in the presence of Cersei. That's why you won't see it anytime soon. But it would be interesting to, to, to know. Be interesting to if we if we ever get to find out what happened to Bronn. I can't imagine he'd get into the fight with an army of the dead. I don't I, I don't think he wants any part of that. Maybe he's already done it. If you rewatch season one, Tyrion and him play a drinking game where Tyrion guesses things about Bronn's life, and if he gets it right, Bronn has to drink. And Tyrion says, Bronn, you went, you've been north of the wall, true or false. And Bronn takes a drink. And he says it was for work, and we never hear about that ever again. What in God's name was he doing beyond the wall for work? Who employed him? He wasn't in the Night's Watch. That's a life sentence. But then again, if Braun decided, you know what, I don't want to be in the Night's Watch anymore, he'd leave. And I don't think people would... uh, I don't think uh, the Night's Watch would kick up too much of a fuss if he had made it all the way out of the north for being a deserter. Because once that happens, then nobody's going to care. We also don't see the red woman herself, Melisandre. Does she make it to Volantis like she said she would? She also said that she has to come back to Westeros to die. That she had seen it. Maybe she hitches a ride on the ships with the Golden Company. They're coming if they're coming from Volantis, who's to say? But we don't see her in this trailer. We know that she's going to be in it though, the show, because well, I mean, that's just a huge plot thread not to uh, you know, to just leave but the entertainment weekly photo shoot of our uh, main players of the season there she is she's right in there so we know she's showing up 
And at first I thought in this trailer, we did not see Brienne of Tarth once, but then right at the end, right before the trailer ends, the armies of the Unsullied and the North are all gathered at night. And there she is, her and her, her little, uh, her squire Podrick Payne. There they are in the battle lines, getting ready for war right there with Sir Gerald Mormont. And right before we end the trailer, Winterfell in the distance, and then here come two hooves of a dead horse. The White Walkers, the army of the dead, have made it. And this battle is gonna get ugly. What's more, it's at night. <laughs> it's at night. They're already going to have trouble seeing. And then, <laughs> so they quite literally are going to have to light the place up with fire from the dragons because they, they can't see. There's no street lights out there. So, yeah. We can speculate all we want, but we just don't know. We just don't know what we are in store for this season. We can only guess. This trailer did such a good job of giving us so much and yet giving us nothing. Because we don't know in what context any of this is. For all we know, everything they showed us in this trailer is just coming from the first episode. We don't know. And I'm not going to overanalyze every single shot. I can only just make my guesses. And what I think, uh, what I would like to happen. My overall opinion is, we are in store for one hell of a farewell to this show. I don't think we're ready for the ending. I don't think we can even possibly guess where the show's gonna go from here until we get the first episode of the season. And even then, maybe we'll still not know. Man, I'm excited. <laughs> I am excited. If you, you know me, I like to talk about, I talk about Game of Thrones. I can talk about Game of Thrones from, from now until the sun comes up again. And this season, the battle for the dawn, the last battle, the great war, the only war that matters. It's coming for us. In one month, we will be here. Mark Talk will be here, ready to watch, ready to discuss, ready to get nerdy as only we can. All right, and now we get into, believe it or not, the main meat of the episode. And if you, <laughs> I guess, uh, main meat—that's uh, that's probably something. Uh, 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 that's probably not entirely true because I went on a bit of a rant with the breakdown of the Game of Thrones trailer. So let's just get to the, uh, I guess, the main point of today's episode: Captain Marvel. Uh, if you're listening to this on Friday, it is officially released. I was lucky enough to see this film early. Now, you've heard my rants about the MCU, uh, my excitement for all things, you know, Marvel related, and this film in particular. Because this is a character I really, really enjoy. Uh, I've actually, I've gotten into the Carol Danvers Captain Marvel uh, characterization uh, kind of recent she had a great uh, spot in the season the second season of the animated show uh, Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes which man I wish I, I wish that show had gone on longer that was such a great show and that really gave me uh, before I started really reading her I had read her in a few issues of Jessica Jones but that was the moment where I really got to know Carol more than I had before. And so that was my introduction, I guess you could kind of say. 
So from there, I went and, uh, you know, I would just try and eat up as much uh, Captain Marvel as I could. Not all of it, mind you, but enough of it. Then this writer named Kelly Sue DeConnick came about and basically changed the game as far as Carol Danvers' stories go. I picked me up a few of the paperback trades, and now I can safely say I, I am well-versed in some Carol Danvers. So needless to say, I kept wondering when the MCU started really taking shape, where's Captain Marvel? We need her. They need her. And if you caught the end of uh, Infinity War, that point is very much relevant. They need her. So, uh, now the movie's out. What did I think? I'm not going to give you any spoilers. It's still, uh, like I said, if you're watching this Friday, it's just now released. So I'll, I'll go through this as spoiler-free as I can. Captain Marvel, to me, is not like the traditional origin stories that we've seen with these Marvel characters. Maybe in the sense of we have a character who is more than what they think they are, more than what they believe they are, and they have to go on the journey to really find out what that thing is, find that spark that makes them extraordinary. Sure, there's a little there, there's little hints of that with this, but I gotta say, with this movie, Carol, she's already extraordinary. She starts off extraordinary, and you basically get to see her journey as to her discovering what that extraordinary thing about her actually is. What is it about her that makes her extraordinary? Is it her powers? Is it her personality? Is it both? You get to take that journey with her. Also, this movie takes place in the 90s, so maybe I'm a little biased for that because I'm a 90s kid and I'm a sucker for uh, things that are 90s. Call it nostalgia, call it what you will. Uh, the soundtrack alone to this movie is just, it, it, that's, it's basically a playlist I created. <laughs> or maybe it's a playlist you created if you're into 90s rock and, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, 90s pop. Crazy good. And, and you know what? It fits. The songs that they chose were pretty uh, uh, expertly chosen. Because they fit the scenarios. They fit the, the, the story. And speaking of the story... What I have to say, as far as the negatives go, I'll just get the negatives out of the way. The, the story works... But there are moments where the story beats kind of hit a lull. There are some 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 draggy parts of the movie. I will say that. Some things drag. It gets a bit slow in certain areas, and then there's some there's some uh, story beats that I wish they could have elaborated a little bit further on that they didn't. But thinking about it now. I'm wondering if they are not just, uh, they're purposely not going into some of those things because they know it's going to serve a purpose later. But see, you run into that problem of, well, why spend your time planning for the future when you need to make an impact now? And I get that. But I also got to say, I think she makes quite the impact in this movie. And I've been reading a lot of reviews about uh, how this movie kind of falls flat for some people, how Brie Larson just kind of is, is, is just acts wooden throughout this whole thing. I respectfully disagree. I think given the material she was given and her ability as an actress, I thought Brie Larson was 
quite good. I thought Carol kicked all kinds of ass in this movie. What I wanted out of this movie, and this is what I'll leave you with in this, uh, uh, as far as details go, what I wanted was an epic space story, an intergalactic, uh, sometime, somewhat earthbound, just, just to give you a, a, a connection to her humanity. But I wanted a space I guess opera, you could say. Space opera. In the vein of Guardians, in the vein of Star Wars, I wanted something just fun and intergalactic. And I gotta say, I got it. That's exactly what I got in this movie. Now, maybe you don't want a space opera. You just want a, uh, a condensed story so you can get to know this character if you're not familiar. And guess what? You get that. You get to find out who Carol is. You get to see the relationships that, uh, that, that she has with certain people. You get to see some of the, uh, 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 I can't say the early days, but you get to see some of the um, early days of what in, eventually became S.H.I.E.L.D. that we are introduced to in, let's say, Iron Man and Iron Man 2. You get to see young Nick Fury. You get to see him become the Fury that we know. Or at least give a little hint as to becoming the Fury that we know. That's not a spoiler. It's in the trailers. He's in there. There's other surprises too. What I'm more surprised about is uh, some of the... They did take some liberties with the story, with the uh, uh, the story of Captain Marvel and the mythology. They took some liberties, but all of the Marvel movies in the MCU take liberties with the stories because they, you know, they want to be they want to stay true to the core of the characters while also giving people something fresh. They don't just want to adapt straight from the comic books because that story's already been told and. Film and comic books are totally different mediums. I know that's kind of a, a hard line to blur, but it's a thing, you guys. It's a thing. So you gotta you gotta find ways to freshen it up. And they do that with this movie in a way that I was kind of going, huh, that's interesting. And but then after after a while I go, no, you know what? I think that works. I really think that works. And without going into any detail at all, and uh, I know it's not much context, this movie very much does tie into the overall picture of the Avengers, I gotta say. And I think you'll be uh, quite happy with the end result when you see it. Some of you are going to be quite impressed, quite uh, shocked and baffled and mesmerized by the things that you're going to see Carol do. And you're going to be excited for what Carol's going to do in the future. Potentially what she's going to do in the future. I think, well, I mean, it's safe to say that we're going to see Carol soon. Maybe real soon. Maybe in a month. <laughs> if, <laughs> just to just to throw that out there, and uh, you know, I think maybe a certain supervillain might be. I think he's. I think he might be meeting his match. Maybe. Maybe. That's just my uh, my perspective. Uh, maybe uh, maybe you'll have a different one. We'll see. Overall, I think Captain Marvel very much fit in the in the grand scheme of the MCU. I think it uh, opens a lot of new doors. I think it continues the mythology. Uh, maybe a few continuity uh, retcons or errors, however you want to look at it. But it, honestly, I think it works. I think it works, and I think it uh, it spawns new ideas. 
and going forward, it's going to be really interesting to see how the MCU grows and how it's uh, how it evolves based on the events of Captain Marvel. And maybe we'll get uh, you know I'm I'm starting to think this is not going to be the only story from this particular era of the MCU. Like I said, it takes place in the 90s. That's 24, 23, 24 years worth of stories they could still tell. If they choose to. It'll be really, really interesting to see where they go. And this movie just made me uh, even more excited has got me much more anticipated to uh more anticipated is that is that proper english i don't know i'm just i'm excited for avengers endgame let's put it that way more so than i was before if that was even remotely possible uh like I said, uh, Brie Larson is fantastic in this movie. The supporting cast is 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 very very much on par, and uh, and I'll tell you something: the the stealer of the show is Ben Mendelsohn. And I did not see that coming. I knew Ben Mendelsohn was going to be good. I knew he was going to be good because he's a good actor. He's fantastic. I did not anticipate him to completely steal the show, especially given the character that he plays. But good God, he is he's mesmerizing on screen. And you know, what else could I say about Sam Jackson that hasn't already been said? That guy is just, he's a national treasure. And by the way, you will fall in love with a cat named Goose. Or maybe you won't. But I'm pretty sure you will. <laughs> Without going into spoilers on that, I, I uh, yeah, that's I'll just I'll just leave it there. Much, much more things I want to talk about with Captain Marvel, but I can't because that would be full of spoilers, chock full of spoilers. I have, uh, you know, I have some ideas and some theories about where I think the story can go, where the story will go. There, there, there are a lot of variables to consider. And I'm interested to see if they go to any one of those places. So, you're into the superhero genre which if you're listening to this i'm assuming you are i would highly recommend you go check out captain marvel bring your daughters bring your sons this is a very very much empowering movie i mean especially to little girls i can i mean i can just i can tell you hands down this is most definitely a movie that that uh, uh little girls should see that they will want to see and the little boys need to see this as well. I'm not saying this is a uh, a movie with an agenda. I'm just saying this is a good story, a good story that I think you know people need to see, especially the kids. There are lessons to be learned here. There are lessons to, uh, to be taught. It's just fun. I had a good time. I had a really fun time. And as always, when you see a Marvel movie, stick around after the credits. There are two, so make sure you really stick around. And that'll about do it. I know it was quick, but, uh, well, you know, (laughs) the, the pressing matter was the Game of Thrones trailer. That will do it for this edition of Mark Talk. Again, apologies for the delay. I know it's been a week. If you're a a continuing listener, uh, I appreciate your patience and I appreciate you listening. Give this podcast a follow. We are on Anchor. 
Give it a follow on Anchor. It's a free app. You can check out all kinds of stuff on there. Or you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcast, be it Apple Podcasts, Google Play, uh, Stitcher, Spotify. We're all there. I know the Spotify... Uh, uh, it's hard to find Mark Talk on Spotify, and I apologize about that. So I uh, I will tweet out the link as much as possible. So when you see it, if you prefer Spotify, go ahead and click on it and give it a follow so that you always know when an episode drops. Uh, if you're on any of the other ones, give it a give it a rate. Give it a review. Let me know what you think. Let me hear from you. You can find me at MarkTheBat on Twitter, uh, on Instagram, and uh, there's also uh, at MarkTalkPodcast on Instagram. That one's still, uh, you know, I'm. that one's just for the show. So if you want to, uh, if you want to just only stick around for news regarding the podcast, follow that one. Uh, or you can see me post a... Uh, weird funny things and my initial thoughts about uh god knows what on my personal instagram and follow me on twitter you will always be updated about what's going on what my thoughts are about things and just my overall view about the world (laughs) if you care to know so that'll about do it uh thank you all for listening thank you for your continued support and we'll catch you next time for another Good talk.